Hello, you're listening to Linguistically Aware, a conversation-based podcast about the ways we use, understand, and think about language. My name is Dusan Nikolic, a grad student of linguistics at the University of Calgary, and I'm sitting down with linguists, experts who study language, to talk about a number of roles language plays in our lives. This is CGSW 90.9 FM, broadcasting on the traditional territories of all the people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 of Southern Alberta. Today, I talked to Darren Flynn, who is an Associate Professor of Linguistics at the University of Calgary. Darren teaches phonology, the scientific study that explains how humans arrange speech sounds into sentences. His research expertise also extends to indigenous languages, African-American English, and most important for today's talk, language in rap music. On the podcast, we talked about the ways rap music relates to language science, how rappers are evolving language, and what he's learned about rappers' use of speech sounds and grammar. Linguists who've never heard about rap will tell you that on the sound side, there's uh, often a binary ideal. So the the ideal word will have, um, or, or say the ideal phrase will have two, two words or maybe two, uh, two stresses in it. And uh, an ideal clause will tend to have two phrases, each with uh, two of those. And, uh, and that turns out to be um, a typical bar in rap, which is has those, uh, you have the four beats and usually a, a stressed syllable or an accented syllable. We can talk about the difference between those. Um, either falls on the beat directly or can come a little bit before, a little bit after. This is just one of the amazing thoughts Dr. Flynn shared with us. But let's listen to the entire conversation. Dr. Flynn, you teach a course at the University of Calgary, which is called Rap Linguistics. Uh, the course has been praised as one of the most exciting courses at the university. Why don't we start with that? What is Rap Linguistics and um, what can you tell us about it? Well, it's the way the, the calendar describes it, it, it recognizes that rap is um, the, a leading music genre out there. And it's uh, it happens to be really dominated by language, so it makes a lot of sense to uh, look at the language inside rap music. And uh, so this course explores how this uh, this art form, which is creatively flourishing out there, how it relates to language science. Okay. And uh, so yeah. we examine how uh, sounds get manipulated, how words get manipulated, how grammar gets manipulated, how meaning gets manipulated in rap and what all of that reveals about language in our minds and language in our society. Great. Um, how did you come to this idea of teaching rap linguistics? It was first suggested by Francie Pisicoli. She's uh, one of our admins in the office, and this was years ago. Um, and it uh, took a while to, uh, to take. Um, it was a bit of a far-fetched idea at the time. But uh, I first taught it in 2014, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And it got some good press coverage. And, and after that, um, it was pretty easy to uh, to schedule it fairly regularly. So we have it on a, uh, a three-year three rotating basis. Uh, we got it down to two years. Uh, 
this year it happens to be back-to-back year, and students are happy about that, and I am too because I love teaching it. Um, so it's not offered every year, unfortunately, but I would love, love it if it could be. Yeah. What has been their response to, to this course in terms of numbers, and how have they responded in general? Yeah, like w- whatever classroom is available, um, you know, the class is full. So like last winter, I think the classroom had could take 129 students, and that's how many students I had. And this year, my classroom is uh, had capacity of 98, and that's how many students I have. So it's uh, I, I assume that if we had larger classrooms, that it would it would fill up too. There's there's always a waiting list too. So uh, let me ask you first: How has your training in linguistics contributed to developing this course? Well, I'm a sound specialist, which means that I. My first interest was how the the rhythm and rhyme and different um, dialects play play out in rap music. I'm always very interested in that. The sorts of rhymes that people can pull off depending on which vowels they have in their dialects, and and uh, the whole uh, rhythm behind rap and the the overall prosody, the up and ups and downs of pitch. Um, it's something I'm acutely aware of, so that was always on my mind. But I I actually entered. Um, rap music originally because my my um, undergraduate and master studies this was at the University of Ottawa in the 90s was on um, African American vernacular English uh, which is uh, the mm-hmm. form of speech that is spoken by lots of African Americans primarily in the US but also someone in Canada and um, I was working on grammar uh, things like uh, multiple negation you know uh, I ain't seen nothing that sort of thing and I um, I got a lot of my data from rap music, which I was listening to, uh, because rap is a form of uh, somewhat authentic language that's put out there um, by um, performers. And by somewhat authentic, I mean that uh, if somebody's faking, uh, you know, African American vernacular English grammar in their music, it'll uh, it'll be picked up by listeners. They're 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 very um, knowledgeable listeners and. Um, being fake in uh, in hip hop is uh, quite a uh, quite damning. So um, you you can to a certain extent you know factoring out that it's performative in nature, you can uh, put some credit some cred into the the type of grammatical data that you get. And so um, you can look at examples from Kanye or uh, Jay Z and um, look at the grammar that they used and and uh, see if that gives you some insight into how um, African-American vernacular English is, uh, how it works. Yeah, so. yeah. so that's how I entered it originally, the, the rap linguistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more, as I've taught this course, um, I've become much more appreciative of um, l- wordplay, uh, figurative language, um, you know, the... Uh, things like metaphors and, and so on. So I've uh, increased my knowledge of that too. This is something that uh, I think rap, studying rap music has grown inside me that wasn't originally a primary interest of mine or, or an expertise. But over time that uh, that's grown and it makes sense. So you start appreciating more and more different things in, in the music. What content tools, what devices do rappers usually use? How are they using these? Well, the... Um, linguists who've never heard about rap will tell you that on the sound side, there's uh, often a binary ideal. So the the ideal word will have um, 
or, or say the ideal phrase will have two, two words or maybe two, uh, two stresses in it. And uh, an ideal clause will tend to have two phrases, each with uh, two of those. And, uh, and that turns out to be um, a typical bar and rap, which is, has those, uh, you have the four beats and usually a, a stressed syllable or an accented syllable. We can talk about the difference between those. Uh, either falls on the beat directly or can come a little bit before, a little bit after. And then between these four dots is the way Rakim describes them. You can insert um, other syllables. Uh, some of them may even be stressed syllables uh, between these dots. And uh, in traditional poetry, the when those dots come after the beats, uh, you know, we call those falling rhythms, things like uh, trochees and dactyls. And when they come before, uh, we call those uh, rising rhythms so it's things like um, anapestic rhythm or iambic rhythm and then but there's lots of others um, that that you can find in rap where you get a like a bacchic rhythm which is basically rising but it 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 ends with like two big accents so it's like da 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 mm -hmm. uh, and a sequence of those has quite an effect you have um, uh, the amphibrachic rhythm, which is really popular right now, so the so-called Migos flow, which is uh, basically having a syllable on both sides of the beat, so it sounds like da 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 words like Atlanta, and um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Th I mean, there's just a, a huge range of rhythms like that that you can study poetically, but it's all about how many syllables you cram be before and after. Now, the the truth is, is that if you stick to a particular rhythm like that for too long. Uh, even, you know, say across a couplet, it gets a bit tiresome. So um, uh, MCs will uh, switch up their flow, and um, and often there's some meaning behind that switch up so that uh, it'll mm -hmm. represent a, a change in the narrative. Or uh, uh, So it's not just to avoid boredom, it's it conveys something. And so if you have a, a couplet that's just quite chaotic, it has all these clashing beats and clashing rhythms you can't really figure it out it's often that's exactly the intention that's one that the mc wants to create uh, but then you'll find that the mc will regroup after that that couplet maybe returning to a, a rhythm or flow that they had at the beginning of the song uh, to get the listener back on track and but then again uh, they'll depart again from that rhythm so uh, looking at all of that is a, is a lot of fun a lot of fun yeah do accomplished rap artists follow these patterns of fitting lyrics perfectly to the beat? Put it colloquially. Do they sometimes exit this pocket? Oh yeah, all the time. It's it's more like jazz improvisation. It's, you mm -hmm. just kind of you can ride the beat, but you fall behind and catch up to it and fall after it, and you can have a a sequence of say three words. Uh, uh, so I mean, famously, uh, MCs will often break away from. The whatever rhythm they've created at the end of a bar by just often having a single uh, rhyming or slant rhyming word mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of like so that the bar ends with a bang, uh, regardless of what they've done before. So a lot of MCs like to mark off their the ends of their lines that way. Um, so it ends with a little bit of a punch, uh, but sometimes they'll uh, do what po poets call enjambments, where they'll just mm -hmm. carry over to the next line in a sequence, and it, it's kind of... Uh, uh, it's entrancing because the rhythm just doesn't stop. But yeah, you can only take so much, and uh, and mm -hmm. yeah, and, uh, MCs will uh, make fun of people who just stick too rigidly to uh, a particular flow. 
uh, you'll find videos of, say, Snoop Dogg or Snoop Dogg and or Eminem making fun of um, MCs that just have the same Migos flow. You know, they mm-hmm. just all sound the same, and uh, uh, so uh, they they'll the only times they'll ever use that flow is sometimes to make fun of other MCs that use that because they just have such a richer repertoire of of rhythms and effects that they can create. Uh, and of course, that's just in the background because. As I mentioned earlier, what uh, what's really important is uh, the narrative, the storytelling that's going on, or the the, the wordplay, or um, what they're trying to convey in the song. So the the rhythmic part, the rhythm and rhyme, is uh, certainly part of the aesthetic quality of the song. But uh, you don't want the rhythm to become so prominent that it distracts from what's being said. Yeah. And so if it's too rhythmic, it's just it gets in the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand. You've also mentioned the wordplay. Can you tell us something more about that? Yeah. So, I mean, the way it, it works is this takes us into psycholinguistics. So, uh, something that we know from the study of language is that when you say a word, um, believe it or not, words that have the same pronunciation, those are called homophones, like homo, same, phone, sound, uh, the, all words that have homophones are activated. Um, um, and those words um, are active in your brain subconsciously, but then you, from the context, you converge on the proper use. And uh, over 40% of English words have homophones. You know, some English words have like dozens of homophones. So it's really a, it's, it's an everyday fact about language. Not only that, uh, words that rhyme also affect each other mm-hmm. and um, affect each other in really interesting ways. So uh, when um, you say a word, that um, like check or uh, the words neck and spec and so on, uh, respect, all those words are activated in your mind. Um, and uh, so on the one, one phenomenon that's really interesting is that, that MCs play with is that if they use two words, um, they can be quite far apart, say three, mm-hmm. three bars apart, four bars apart. But if they rhyme, those two words, because they rhyme, are brought together in your mind and you, your, your mind is forced to find what's the connection and meaning or how are these words being, how is the MC blending the meanings or bringing these two together just because these words rhyme. But on the other hand, uh, the the wordplay has to do with the fact that it's just a basic function of language that when you say words, other words that rhyme and other words that sound the same are activated. And of course, words that have similar meaning are activated too. And so what MCs will often do, there's a, you'll, it's, it's not that crazy to find uh, six meanings packed into a single word and what the MC will have done in their craft is set up all of those meanings to be perceived on some level or another more or less conscious by the listener and so this is the the, the way this is done is through something that uh, psycholinguists called priming so priming is when uh, a previous uh, stimulus like a previous sentence uh, will prime you to get a particular meaning. So if I start talking about chocolate, it wouldn't be that as far-fetched as if, as if I started talking about fashion, say, suddenly. Mm-hmm. And that's because uh, when I mentioned M&M's uh, music, uh, it triggers M&M's candy, chocolate candy, chocolate, mm-hmm. Hershey's, etc. That's all activated in your head just through, that's just the way the brain works. And so if you find that in a rap song, uh, somebody's talking about M&M's and suddenly they're start they start talking about chocolate and stuff. You can tell that they're just calling on these different meanings, often on purpose. And uh, uh, there's a lot of 
joy in that. Um, a big misunderstanding of rap is that it's uh, puns is just to be humorous, that kind of wordplay, but it's not at all. So there is some humor, so and, and it's brilliant. So like when Eminem says, uh, you're not afraid, he says, um, like a f for Christmas, his gift is a curse. Um, it's, it's really clever. Um, and, uh, you know, so it might bring a, a smile or a smirk to somebody. But what you'll often find is that he will recycle um, words and bars from other songs, which brings the success of that previous song into his next song. So when he mm -hmm. uses, I mean, most extreme example, say if, if he uses the word spaghetti, that is a loaded word for an Eminem. It's just not like any other word. So um, when he brings it into another song, all the uh, the success, say, of uh, you know Eight Mile or is uh, carried over. Uh, lose yourself uh, spells it out, but uh, that that all those emotions, all those listening experiences, the, all those radio successes are carried over into that song. And so uh, all those things are primed um, in a way that MCs that you listen to a lot will be activating in their um, with their wordplay. So it's basically great marketing, and it's mm -hmm. really valuable skills, which is one of the things that my students study is that they learn about how you um, when you market a product or when you are trying to create a brand, even a brand for yourself, how you do that and it's because we want to reverse engineer what makes certain MCs really successful and um, figure out uh, what what are their tools of the trade and and a lot of it has to do with just making explicit what uh, listeners already know like they yeah. they know all this stuff they, it's just somewhat subconscious I just that that's what linguistics is because knowledge of language is uh, subconscious knowledge and you just make that knowledge explicit more and more. And the more you become aware of what that knowledge is, how it is that we speak and understand each other, uh, the more you can play with that. And of course, MCs are acutely aware of language. And... She had high heel shoes with a high class tone in vogue with six deep, never ever alone. Always a full mailbox on a cellular phone. Catching attention, eyes, ears, and bones. Stepping in the front door, expecting a free cup. Excuse me, queen, that's gonna be five bucks. Hip hop ain't paying the bills in this apartment. And we don't play the pretty face coupon market. So move on, barking with your blue blonde jargon. Break your wallet, take it to the keg and park it. It's the kind of party where you spew off target. Miss the bathroom sink and hit the living room carpet. Zoom it so hard that you chew on garbage. Confusing it long gone from the Many rappers use rhymes that are not typical. Yeah. Uh, they rhyme certain <clears throat> words that otherwise you wouldn't think could be rhymed. Yeah. Why is that so? How come? Yeah, so there's there's two things. Those are called forced rhymes. And uh, forced rhymes can be um, quite natural in the sense that a lot of words have alternate pronunciations. Um, so you'll have, for instance, the... A-U-N-T can be pronounced ant or aunt. Uh, 
or aunt or aunt, depending on the dialect. And so you can rhyme aunt or aunt or aunt um, into, depending on which other vowels are in in the, the bars, you can rhyme those in. And the, the thing is, is all of those are acceptable pronunciations in different dialects. And um, because a lot of MCs come from areas where um, people do have that awe, like aunt, say uh, New York is, you know, the birthplace of rap music. And so that open O sound, aunt, uh, when you hear it in a rap song, it's not far-fetched, you know, it just seems kind of natural. Mm-hmm. Um, and African-Americans tend to say aunt in aunt or aunt more than aunt. Uh, but, you know, if there's to say aunt, uh, f- because it works in a rhyme, it wouldn't, you know, raise an eyebrow. So it's it's that you can take words that, um, you know, or, or give them a different stress, but even the stress, stress can vary. So if they talk about something being composite, because that rhymes with some other you know, a word like offer something just before, offer the composite, something like that. But then they, uh, if they say composite, that rhymes better for something that they said before too. Uh, they, uh, it better matches the rhythm that they're going after. It's not, it won't raise an eyebrow. Uh, the more interesting ones are the ones that are tr- called transformative rhymes. And th- this is where a word is deliberately mispronounced or, or and, and that, that is actually a reality of everyday speech. So uh, take, um, irregular past tense in English, which is very hard to to learn that, say, the the past tense of fall is fell, right? Um, But the past tense of freeze is froze, and you need to learn all these things. Uh, So you'll know that a lot of people will say freezed or falled or something like that. And you will find that some MCs will just do that, um, and they'll say... uh, They'll use kind of an unusual past tense form or participle form that uh, they might not actually use in their everyday speech, but it it really works in the song. And that's, again, just part of um, the real world. So um, we know that uh, there's been a study by um, Joe Stenberger, for instance, that was quite compelling that shows that people are more likely to make mistakes when the preceding word has the same vowel, so when they slant rhyme. So if you say, if you're talking about uh, some milk, you would say the milk froze, you know, in the freezer or something. But uh, if you're talking about the cream, uh, they might say the cream freezed mm-hmm. because the, the, the E sound is carried over. In the same way, if you're talking about uh, the snow, you know, you might say, oh, the snow fell. But if you're talking about um, chalk on a chalkboard or say, uh, you you might say the uh, the chalk falled, you know. And, and mm-hmm. so Joe Stenberger showed that those those vowels are carried over into the next word. Uh, and this is part of, those are speech errors, but uh, MCs will just go with, allow for those kinds of speech errors when it works for, say, in a, in a rhyme that's dominated by slant, aw, slant rhymes, then they might, you might see fault as opposed to mm-hmm. uh, fell. And uh, listeners won't blink or they even enjoy it because, of course, what you want to do is... Uh, keep the element of surprise. There, there is something called poetic license that uh, artists always have. And poetic license allows poets to break any rule of grammar. Like literally any rule of grammar can be broken under some mm-hmm. circumstances. Uh, any pronunciation rule or any grammar rule, even any meaning rule. So you can kind of force a word into a particular pronunciation or grammar. And that uh, is found 
every in everyday speech we just don't register it as much and uh mcs have that poetic license and uh, it it's lovely because it keeps an element of surprise but again this as a linguist this shows me the how words are constructed and how they're constructed online and how they're processed by listeners so this is that area of psycholinguistics which is uh, fascinating to me and it converges it dovetails very nicely with um, research really dry papers out there in my field that just uh, really explain nicely what an MC is doing and why they're able to pull it off. It's uh, It turns out that so-called uh, errors are um, you know naturally occurring phenomena, they're everyday occurrences, and we they happen so much uh, in regular speech that we we only ever notice them sometimes when you know you you don't pronounce a word properly and it comes out as a taboo word or something like you'll you'll notice that like oh you you used the wrong word or something yeah. or when it when it matches another word that's completely inappropriate then you'll notice it but in practice we do those sort of, sort of things all the time are there any examples from the rap music that became the norm on top uh, of my head like stan Oh yeah, well sure. That's an actual word in the dictionary now. Yeah, yeah it came that came straight out of Eminem's you know brilliant song. Um, yeah, and it, it's now a verb too, like to stand someone. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you'll find that in the dictionary. So no, that's that's very concrete. But more broadly, um, people that listen to rap music uh, become really familiar with. Um, african-american vernacular english grammar and vocabulary and lexicon and so uh it's a bit of a touchy area so you, you you'll find um constructions grammatical constructions that are very specific to black english that <clears throat> black american english and black vernacular working class blacks in the states and you'll find uh, people will often use it in their tweet or something or uh, in social media uh, and they use it properly because they've they've learned uh, how it works grammatically uh, but it's it's often for um, uh, comedic effect I mean they're they're clearly appropriating uh, a grammatical process that's not part of their own grammar in many cases um, and yet that's that's a thing so if you look at most memes mm-hmm. uh, you know it would be you know if somebody's or somebody's just saying you know i'd be working you know they're they're just instagramming a picture of themselves hard at work or something and it's this this white girl or something and i'd be working and, yeah. and you know everybody gets that that's borrowed from african-american vernacular language and everybody gets that they've learned how to use that from rap music and uh, i mean they end up being almost like you know you a song will have I mean, some extreme forms, uh, some big rap songs, like some of Lupe Fiasco's The Mural, for instance, I probably has like 3,000 3, words. You know, it's like a full essay. And so some songs are like rich, rich with language. So if you listen to The Mural over and over again, you're getting a lot of language content. Uh, same thing with, uh, say, Rap God by Eminem. There's just a lot of, you know, you're getting two, 3,000 words. Not, not all not all rap songs are like that, but if you consume a lot of rap, you're getting a lot of uh, black English grammar. And so I would describe uh, the language as spreading in a lot of minds out there. And then people are trying to sort out how much of that they're allowed to use. And there's, there's a lot of gray area. So, for instance, indigenous Canadians, uh, there's some sort of 
natural affinity that they have with uh, African Americans, working class African Americans in the states. They're they're mm-hmm. they've been dispossessed in ways that are similar. There's a kind of a social prejudice and so on that uh, you know that one could say that the the racism that uh, African Americans face in the states, the counterpart of that in Canada, are the indigenous people here. Yeah. Uh, even though, of course, there are indigenous people in the states too who also face prejudice, and so there's some natural affinity. So it's not uncommon or uncomfortable for me to meet uh, an indigenous uh, young person who's, you know, they might be an MC or they might just be a consumer of rap music, and they just they talk with um, a lot of Black English grammar, Black English vocabulary, and that's that 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 works. Uh, that's also true of uh, Hispanic people, so th- and that's true both in Canada, but especially in the states, where, uh, in fact, a lot of Hispanics will live in the same neighborhoods, uh, you know, the Bronx mm-hmm. and so on, as their African American peers, and and so you'll find, uh, you know, Hispanic MC, like you know, like Big Pun or mm-hmm. uh, something like that, uh, uh, Fat Joe or whatever. They 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 speak with. Um, you know, uh, black English grammar, and they even use uh, very loaded um, black English words like the N word, and they get away with it because uh, they they mm-hmm. they they somehow uh, have some some cred there. And yet, uh, a working class white guy uh, just can't get away with that. Uh, but the working class white guy, so Eminem is a prime example. When Eminem uses non-standard language, I would say the vast majority of his non-standard language is actually non-standard white English. It's like working class white English. Okay. So when he's using ain't or negative negation or them shoes or, uh, you know, unusual participles or, I mean, you can just go on and on and on. Uh, um, all the these non-standard bits of grammar on Eminem's part are just part of his uh, working class white English. But he also uses a little bit of black English grammar, but just tastefully, you know, like uh, not not nearly as much as other African-Americans as, as that are from the same city do. And it's just to signal his respect uh, to, to um, the fact that that's the language of hip hop culture and, and that that he's part of. So uh, he's able to pull it off, but there are some things he knows he just can't do, like he can't use the, the N-word, for mm-hmm. instance, which is just off bounds. So it's it's quite tricky to figure out how as black English grammar and vocabulary and pronunciations spread around the world through rap, who can, who's allowed to, to take those and put them to use. And uh, that it's quite a, a fascinating sociolinguistic phenomenon to, to walk that, you know, walk that line to, to you know, what, what's allowed and what's not allowed. And you get really interesting phenomena. So in, in Canada, a lot of, there were a lot of uh, refugees and some immigrants from places like Somalia, especially in the 90s. And um, you'll get Sudanese more recently too. And uh, they're learning English um, as they arrive here. And a lot of them learn English through rap music. And so they end up talking, you know, black American English in Canada in a way that's really interesting and, and because they, again, consume a lot of rap music and it's not uh, grammar or words that you'd find in the surrounding Canadian society, working class or otherwise. 
so it's it's quite uh, it's quite interesting the how the language of rap is being spread to other communities that just have no historical connection to like the true African American community in the states or the descendants of slaves and uh, as part of American history and people that come straight from Africa to say some suburb in Toronto you know they don't have that history but they'll adopt that spoken code um, and uh, rap is facilitating that so there's some just mind-boggling sociolinguistic stuff to investigate who is entitled to certain taboo words in rap music and does that have to do something with dialectal differences as well yeah because i mean if you use say thinna which means fixing to like i'm about to do something it is a, a southern thing so if you're a white southerner you could say that and get away with it mm-hmm. um if you're a white northerner and you've picked that up from african-american friends or listening to rap music it's um yeah it's you, you've clearly appropriated black english at that moment and, and because you can't claim that it came from the southern white english it's you clearly got it from your black peers so it's it's not easy to uh to figure out uh, what you're allowed to use or not so there's some clear obvious lines which is like the n-word is the most extreme and that's just because um in white english the closest counterpart to that word i'll just say ninja is uh, is the word that rhymes with trigger and so the word that is used by african americans they never ever 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 use the word that rhymes with trigger they just don't it's just uh, it's uh, it's a, the most offensive word it's actually it's been described by um, specialists as the atomic bomb of slurs and so it's it's one that they don't use among even themselves like why would they so they have the word uh that rhymes with say ninja which use is used in lots and lots of different ways so many interesting ways including uh, just means guy or dude it's completely neutral it has no negative connotations whatsoever it even has some positive connotations when it's used in a possessive form like my ninja uh yeah. and, and it can mean uh, uh my pal or even my my lover in in a relationship so there's and it can be used for women uh for you know that 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 white ninja over there blah 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 uh can be used for a cat uh, you know like that that uh that orange ninja jumped off the roof and survived or something you can uh you can use it in all these ways not a single one of them is offensive uh and yet that's just a word that's off bounds for most whites because it um it's too close to the word uh that rhymes with trigger in uh, so it's just prevented from entering mm. uh and more importantly because the word ninja that just means something like dude or I mean it has lots of different meanings because it's not part of white english's uh the only corresponding word when you hear ninja in white english's is the word that rhymes with trigger and so that word is activated in people's heads and so when people use that word they uh they think of the other word whereas that's almost not the case in African American English where the word that rhymes with trigger just isn't part of the language mm-hmm. uh, it's it's part of maybe white English and so there's the word ninja is used with high frequency and it's has nothing but positive meanings and it has nothing for po- but positive meanings for somebody like Eminem but he doesn't use it because 
he knows how it would be perceived. And so that's that's the most extreme. But in between, there's grammar and pronunciation that um, you have to find a careful balance. And uh, funnily enough, uh, white MCs, when you look at this, they tend to land on, for grammar, uh, a figure of about 15%. So when... Uh, there is a uh, black grammatical device, such as one. One is called. Um, it's it's leaving uh, words like um, is and m and so on out. So saying, you know, mm -hmm. uh, when she says she uh, she cool or we cool or something like that, uh, that's uh, something that's quite specific to African American vernacular English. You'll find that uh, African Americans, especially working class ones, especially males, will drop that is and are and so on. You know. Uh, well, the majority of the time, you know, uh, up to 60, 70 percent, you know, even 90 percent in some circumstances, um, especially in performing their music and so on. Uh, you know, but whereas a white rapper like Eminem will do that about 15 percent of the time. This yeah. is just enough to, you know, signal, hey, I'm doing this, but not too much, you know. And uh, that's true of other grammatical features in uh, black English, too. Um so uh, grammar is one thing. There's just a little bit, but not too much. You don't want to overdo authenticity. Right. You, you overplay your card or something. Uh, you overstayed your welcome or whatever, and all the, the, because th these are guests in hip-hop. But uh, when it comes to pronunciation, then it's okay. So like R-lessness, for instance, uh, dropping your R's at the ends of syllables, at the ends of words, is something that Eminem does quite regularly. You know, It's, it's in the range of like 75% of the time, 80% of the time. Uh, especially when he's performing, a little bit less in interviews. But uh, it's not at all part of um, white Detroiters, including working class white Detroiters. They don't, they're not our droppers. They're, it's not like white people in Boston or working class people in New York. They don't do that in Detroit. And so he's clearly taking on an African-American pronunciation. And so his accent is decidedly African-American, you know, mm -hmm. the way he pronounces his eyes. You know, to say my eye says, you know, my ah, that is African-American and it's not typical of white Detroiters. Well, it is. It is true of certain white Detroiters. Like there's, they have a lot of Appalachian people, but uh, not from Eminem's ethnic background. So, again, this is something he does very regularly, like the vast majority of time. He, he won't say I, he'll say ah. So that that's called monothongization. And monothongization is a property that African-Americans got from uh, the time when they were in the South. Because Southerners do that too. And they've, uh, as, as was arlessness. The arlessness too is it was a property of the, the English that African-Americans were exposed to and learnt in the South is the one they brought all over the States. And then when other whites take that on, um, they... Uh, they do so quite intensely when it comes to pronunciation and a lot less when it comes to grammar. But there are exceptions. You know, they, they are whites. They're, they're called wiggas. You know, they're the ones that just, you know, they want to sound black so bad that they just use black English grammar all the time in addition to pronunciation. And it, it comes across as a bit uh, cringy. To let you know, Rachel, that the cool flow. Yes. Blow, I, I'm smooth and creamy, milky, silky, steamy. Eyes get wet and dreamy every time my brother see me. Cause they can't understand the gift, the tongues that left them standing still and dumb. And the dust day I bust what I must and I must, son. Continue to crush those that rush, play dumb and got done. Yeah.
still feel wanna be your instigator. Dance cross the face. Why? Cause no one is free. I be that chick with the hits and I'm hitting it. I be that chick with the lyrics and I'm spitting it. On, Microphones, I'm definitely ripping it. Uh-huh. So come, come, come up and get now. It's now. like bang to the boogie. I'm one tough cookie. Bet you, Bet you buy the clip loaded with Liverpool. Awesome Nick as I hit with my spitfire bullets. With licks from my tongue, so watch me pull it. Take it to the hill. How has language evolved in rap music? Let's say from the 90s till now, we have a little bit different uh, styles of rap. I don't think the language has evolved that much. So if you compare gangster rap from the 90s or even the late 80s, like DOC, yeah, if you look at some of the earliest gangster rap, it's not all that different from if you fast forward to the present. What um, what has changed is the style uh, in in rap. So, on the one hand, uh, early rap you tended to have really obvious rhymes. There was uh, the ends of bars rhymed, you know, sometimes perfect rhymes. And, and uh, when you listen to some of that today, it sounds a bit cringy. But even that's not fair because when you go back, you see Big Daddy Kane and others, uh, Rakim, even the earlier stuff. They had all sorts of complicated internal rhymes. Um, and then on the other hand, the, the most recent popular music uses um, a lot more melody. And um, I mean, the, the most extreme form of that is uh, what people disparagingly call uh, mumble rap. And mumble rap is is more about uh, conveying emotions. Uh, words are slurred. Uh, this is a, a great departure from previous rap and a lot of other continuing rap where the conveying the message is very important to the MC so they tend to speak quite clearly so you really know what they're saying mm-hmm. this newer stuff is more akin to how in heavy metal music there'd be so much shouting and yelling and slurred words that you really wouldn't know what's being said uh, and often when you look up the lyrics on genius you wish you didn't know and uh, that that's also true of some mumble rappers too where so when Young Thug conveys uh, just a much richer range of emotions uh, through a kind of part singing, part rapping, uh, and when you look up the lyrics to the song, it, it could be a party anthem, but you look up the lyrics and you find, wow, this is pretty dark. It's talking about incest and um, venereal diseases and things that, you know, if people knew what he's talking about, um, you know, they wouldn't be dancing along to the words. And and that reminds me of the same thing with a lot of uh, heavy metal music in the past that uh, just it's not really understanding what's being said is, is a blessing. But on the other hand, one of the great things about uh, less clear speech that you see nowadays is that um, you it's, it's like a Rorschach test where you can kind of uh, read into you hear whatever you want you know like you just because you can't quite make out what they're saying you can just pick up this word or that word but you uh, you create in your own head a sense of what they're saying and so you can um, interpret the music however you like and that was something that was always intended in music anyhow regardless of whether it's this new genre of music or older forms of rap there was always what the MC was the story they were conveying is uh, one thing, but the the reason people have to see themselves in the music, and so they'll read, uh, they'll out of that metaphor, they'll apply it, they'll extend it to a situation in their own life, or see themselves in that description. <laughs> 
uh, that's in the rap music, even though that's not at all what the rap MC, rapper originally intended. Uh, so it's it's I wouldn't say that's changed, but certainly the style has changed a lot. I was doing a pretty extensive research, and I've noticed the worth of other MCs as well, such as um, Kanye, Drake, or Kendrick Lamar. They have all been manipulating with voice, which fascinates me a lot. For example, Kendrick Lamar, I know he he likes to use a voice of a drunk ma man. A voice of, a, of an authority as if he is assuming a persona. Is that one of the content tools that rappers are using these days as well? Yeah, there's uh, it, people's individual voices that really stand out. So, I mean, like, I just love Jay, I love Jay-Z's voice. You know, I just love that man's voice. So I just hear it. It just does, it does something for me. And so there's sort of an individual taste. So there's other more distinctive voice. There's uh, GID or, or Q-tip or um, like the, the people with really distinctive sounds uh, and uh, Kendrick Lamar for sure has a particular voice quality that's that's unusual and so uh, you, there's certainly room for different tastes there and it speaks to different people in different ways um, but behind that is also some different um, accents and dialects so there's the southern rap uh, is something that I I, I always enjoyed, so uh, uh, a group that I really enjoyed in the past is called Goody Mob. It's where CeeLo Green came out of that group. And uh, it just got me really interested into the sound of um, Southern rappers. And, uh, and of course, people that listen to a lot of New York rap there's uh, they, they expect certain sounds, certain vowels, certain rhymes that are possible there and not elsewhere. Um, so uh, behind a lot of people's voices is their dialects, and there's a certain voice quality to uh, Southerners, uh, Black Southerners in particular, that uh, that just feels familiar once you've listened to a lot of it. And and there's uh, definitely a different kind of voice in the North. Uh, there's different tempo too. There's faster rap in certain areas than others um, that's true to a certain extent so like there's Andre 3000 as a southerner and he's known for pretty fast raps <laughs> so uh, but you, you know, there is some truth that you know if you're from Atlanta like if you met they, they take a bit more time you say you know and they have their their they'll draw things out a little bit more and there's some expectation of that in in rap uh, whereas say somebody from Cleveland or something might just have a very speedy choppy style so um there's um it has to be teased apart what's an individual property like uh, andre 3000s uh, as, a, as an individual and then where they're from like the southern area and there, there's some overlap and distinctions but um yeah and uh in the, the most extreme cases like the i was mentioning young thug about where it's just just the voice, and uh, it's he has an angelic voice. Um, it's it's beautiful. So it's it, whether he's singing or rapping, it's just uh, really 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 pleasant. And um, yeah, it's just good, really enhances whatever melody he's on. So uh, yeah, and that's just obviously part of music. It's yeah. people's voice. Yeah. Hip hop is predominantly black it originated in black communities how important is it for them to express 
their beliefs, attitudes, and values through rap music. Yeah. No, it's it's very important. I mean, the the most extreme example again is again the N word, rhymes mm-hmm. with ninja. It has a, a variety of meanings. One of those meanings is uh, survivor, mm-hmm. and uh, and also. Uh, uh, appear and so there's some evidence that historically the word was used very early among black slaves um, and uh, so famously that disempowers the word you know it's like taking the word the sting out of the word when you start using among each other and it, it got this connotation of survivor uh, in meaning which is absent from like the the word that rhymes with trigger that was used in the south and and then uh, you can tell by, by the extent to which that word is used that it's being used in such a radically different way than its historical origin that uh, and there's, there's no way uh, to, uh, to interpret that as you're just, this word is repeated. Like you wouldn't believe it. It's like uh, one of the most frequently used words in in uh, black Twitter, for instance, right. uh, the most frequently uh, distinctively black words, like of all the words that could be used, or even grammatical devices. So, it's it's clearly making a point that, you know, we've uh, uh, taken this word back and using it in completely different ways. And you're you're not in Kansas anymore. This is uh, this is this is our language, and um, we made it our own. And it's used in ways that you know baffle outsiders. So. Uh, a ninja means me or I. So like a ninja hungry means I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, when you, you uh, so it sounds like a, a third person or something, but it's a noun, but it's not. It's being act, used as a pronoun just to give one example of many uses. And so they've really made it their own and created their new language, which is constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it's and and of course rap is about is a form of poetry so it's about conveying your your feelings your emotions your history your stories uh in large part rap is aimed at fellow um african american youth uh typically inner city often male uh, youth and so although rap is most widely consumed by, you know, white, middle-class, suburbanites or whatever, it still is primarily aimed, the bulk of it, at peers. And so they speak in their own language and uh, in ways that are understood by their peers. And it's a privilege for outsiders to uh, listen into these stories. They're often harrowing stories about growing up, uh, harrowing stories of... Uh, poverty and violence or uh, sometimes just trials, you know, difficulties and and uh, they're described with other peers and they're showing the way to other peers, the way out of those sorts of troubles. So uh, it's very important that they use the language that they grew up with, the one that was spoken by their peers, uh, the one spoken by their parents, the one spoken by their grandparents, the, one, the language that was used at home as opposed to the language that is found, say, in school uh, or uh, in uh, by officials and so on. So yeah, it's 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 very important. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And um, at the end of this spoken word program, I'd like to ask you just about that. What is your stay home message? Why should we care about language and rap? 
Oh, it's it's it enriches you. Like I I think we already know a lot of these things, but just spelling them out increases your appreciation of it. It's like if you don't mind, I'll I'll uh, I'll open up um, at the end of uh, a chapter I wrote on M and M. I quote um, uh, Tim Brennan at the end. So he says, "What if one claimed that the pleasures of rap?" like the colors of da Vinci and the polyphonies of Bach had to be learned deliberately as in the art appreciation courses, or that those who could not, at least by projection, understand such pleasures were in some basic sense uneducated. How can one get to the tactical point of insisting on rap's formal expertise when the very sense of it as art is so weak? And I I really like that quote. Um, it, It, I think the more you learn about rap, the more you turn to you come to appreciate it in the same way that one appreciates art. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you very much for being a part of this podcast. Yeah. My pleasure, Dushan. Yeah. That was Darren Flynn, and I was immensely enjoying our conversation in which he shared his amazing thoughts and knowledge about the language in rap. Listen to the upcoming Linguistically Aware episodes on CJSW 90.9 FM radio station. If you want to know more about linguists based in Calgary, make sure to visit calgarylinguistics.ca. That is all for today. Have a great month and see you soon.